0: In verse 1 of Matthew 6, Jesus is starting to zero in on what was in his day perceived as true righteousness. He says, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. The religious Jews of Christ's day, which included the scribes, the priesthood, and the Pharisees, had three major ways of demonstrating their righteousness. The giving of money to the poor, fasting, and praying. Now, next week, Pastor Ryan is going to show us what Jesus' words are on prayer. But today, we're going to look at giving and fasting. Now, before I go on, there's an important asterisk here. When Jesus talks about acts of righteousness, this is written to those who are disciples of Jesus to the members of God's kingdom. If you have never surrendered your life to Christ and try to do acts of righteousness in and of yourself, it won't do you any good. A condemned sinner cannot earn God's favor by their own works. So, when Jesus talks about acts of righteousness, this is for those who are following him. In verse one, Jesus gives us a warning. He says, be careful, or as another translation says, beware. If this was a sign on a highway, it would not be a brown sign for a historical site or a national park. It wouldn't even be a a white sign with a speed limit. This would be a yellow or an orange sign, danger ahead or construction ahead, which means we'd better slow down. And that's Jesus's point in this verse. We must be careful and watch out for doing righteous deeds to be seen by other people and immediately Jesus gives an example in verse 2 he says when you give to the needy do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men I tell you the truth they have received their reward in full Jesus starts with one of the classic acts of righteousness done in his day the giving of money to the poor and needy And verse 2 shows us what the current state was when it came to giving. At designated times, there would be the blowing of trumpets. And Jesus says, not only it's in the synagogues, but it's on the streets as well. Sadly, this happened in Jesus' day. Now, is giving to the needy, giving to the poor, is that a good thing? Yes, it is. But Jesus is seeing that this good thing has turned into a problem. The trumpets were present so that whoever was giving would be noticed and honored by everybody else. And Jesus calls them hypocrites. The first point here that Jesus shows us is on real hypocrisy. The English word hypocrite comes from the Greek word, which refers to an actor. In that time, there were stage productions and the actors would have these masks that they would use in their performances. Probably not a gorilla mask, but you never know. The thing was, when the actors would speak from under these masks, the audience would see the cover, but they would hear the actor's real voice, making it very obvious that this was all an act. So here in Matthew, Jesus is calling it as it is, and he says at the end of verse 2, Why the hypocrites were hypocrites? It's because they were going for the reward from man rather than from God. Hypocrites in Jesus' day loved man's praise more than God's praise. Hypocrites in Jesus' day loved man's praise more than God's praise. And even though it looked like true righteousness, it was fake. Commentator Michael Wilkins wrote that the hypocrites getting the rebuke from Jesus likely had deceived themselves by using those trumpets to get attention. Wilkins writes, the needy are unlikely to complain when they receive large gifts and their gratitude may flatter and thus bolster the giver's self-delusion. His point is that those who did this thought it was a great thing, but they had a, a blind spot. They had a glaring problem. They love the praise of man more than God's praise. And even today, whenever there's eyeballs around, uh, that's the temptation. To do something, not because it honors God or because we love God, but because we like the praise that comes from the crowd. And to the listeners of his sermon, Jesus says, beware of doing that. Now, if you take a look at verse 16, so jump down a little bit, there's a parallel because Jesus says almost the exact same thing He does in verse 2. But this time, He addresses another well-known act of righteousness. In verse 16, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. Generally, fasting is the going without food for a certain time for the purpose of drawing near to God in prayer. Uh, When you're on a fast and the hunger pangs start coming, it's a reminder to pray and to earnestly ask God for whatever we're fasting about. In Christ's day, fasting was very common. Right at the beginning of Christ's ministry, he fasted for 40 days in the wilderness and was tempted by Satan. And in several places in Jesus's ministry, we see that the religious Jews, especially the Pharisees, fasted regularly. You'll remember at one point, John the Baptist's disciples came to Christ, and they said, we and the Pharisees fast regularly, but why don't you and your guys fast regularly? Uh, Whenever Jesus tells about the Pharisee versus the tax collector, we see the Pharisee saying to himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like that guy. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I get. So it was a significant act in Christ's day. But just like what he does with the giving of money, Jesus contrasts how the leaders and the trendsetters put on a show when they did these acts of righteousness. What is done in public is done for the crowd that's watching. So in giving and fasting two major areas of perceived righteousness. Christ says, there's a problem here. The hypocrites are after the reward of being seen. Jesus is not saying that giving and fasting are a problem, because they aren't. But the hypocrisy, the practicing of righteousness in order to be seen by people, that's the problem that Jesus is warning us about. Whenever you read a mystery uh, where a crime has been committed, the police or detectives usually look for the motive to establish why the crime had taken place. Well, here in Matthew, it's a similar story. What is the motive behind this hypocrisy? The fact is, human attention and human adulation are dangerously addicting. Back in 2017, there was a fellow that wanted to make money off of YouTube videos. And he decided that the fastest way to get views was to try a very dangerous stunt. You can probably guess where this is going. He decided to test an encyclopedia against a 50 caliber handgun. And he held the book in front of him, gambling his life that it would stop the bullet from one of the most powerful handguns out there. The reason he did it, he actually said this, was that the more dangerous the stunt, the more popular the video would be. And uh, it was a tragedy because it should have been avoided. But the lure of fame, of going viral, of getting views of money, it was too great. Sadly, he was, he was only 22 when he died. You usually don't see older folks trying dangerous stunts for YouTube videos. It's, uh, it's the younger folks. High schoolers up there, are you with me? You don't want to do that. But whenever people are watching, whenever there's the possibility of attention, our motives change because of the reward of popularity. And honestly, I don't think there's any other area in life where it's as dangerous as when this happens in the church and in ministry. Because when our motives are not pure, we're one step away from hypocrisy. What is it that non-believers always say about the church? They say, the church is full of hypocrites. Now, if you hear that, you can reply, as one person did, no, the church is not full of hypocrites, there's always room for another. But seriously, (laughs) in other areas of life, we see hypocrisy. Uh, It's in politics, it's in business, It's in academia, Quentin, am I right? It's all over the place. How many of you have ever heard of resume fraud, where people inflate what they've done on their resumes? But whenever the world has hypocrisy, it kind of almost gives itself a pass on its own hypocrisy. But whenever the church, whenever the Christians get caught and get exposed, the world loves to point it out. Because we're the ones that claim to be different. A lot of you who are older probably know the name Jimmy Swaggart or Jim Baker. Uh, More recently, it's names like Josh Duggar or Ravi Zacharias. All of those guys got caught in their hypocrisy. They were saying one thing, but they were living something completely different. This can't be us. Jesus says very clearly right here, we can't be in hypocrisy, and it applies to all of us. It doesn't matter if you're in youth group, if you're in college, if you're raising a family, or if you're a retired grandparent. We all have to watch for being hypocrites, for hypocrisy in our life. So Jesus in these verses lays out the problem of real hypocrisy. It was a problem for the religious Jews in Christ's day, and it's a problem today. But the great thing about Christ's teaching in this Sermon on the Mount is that he doesn't just give us the problem without the solution. In the next verses, Jesus shows us what real religion looks like. If you look at verse 3, talking about giving, Jesus says, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Even though the acts of righteousness had been corrupted, that doesn't take away from the fact that Jesus wants his followers to live righteously. Jesus doesn't say, if you give to the needy, or if you fast, or even if you pray. It's when you give, when you fast. According to Jesus... Real religion includes acts of righteousness. Real religion includes acts of righteousness. And in verse 17 and 18, Jesus echoes what he said earlier. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, when we look at Jesus' words on both giving and fasting, there's an important contrast that we don't want to miss. Notice that both types of people Jesus mentioned are rewarded for the acts of righteousness. The one with impure motives, the hypocrite, they are rewarded by the praise they get from men, and that's all. But the one with a changed heart and a pure motive when they do what they do, not for others to see, but in secret, as if their left hand, if it could think on its own, wouldn't even know what the right hand is doing. When they do that, they are doing it to be seen by God alone. And, and Jesus says, they will also be rewarded. Because a changed heart is a changed value system. The reward from God is so much more valuable than the reward from people. Now, Jesus doesn't tell us what those rewards are, but we can be certain that God has his ways of rewarding those that obey him. The rewards might not always show up here, but as we know God deeper, we'll probably recognize God's rewards more clearly. Though our goals shouldn't be completely on incentives, they should influence our motives whenever we give and whenever we fast. Now, when it comes to fasting... There's a significant difference between the role that fasting played 2,000 years ago in Israel and fasting in Boise in 2022. For Israel, they had certain times and certain customs in which they fasted. But for us today, uh, we don't have verses in our New Testament that say, fast one day each month. Should fasting be done regularly? If so, how regularly? I believe that no matter how frequently we fast, our motive is what counts. Are we telling others if, if we're doing that, is that becoming a source of unhealthy pride? Often because of the gravity of fasting, it's done for a specific reason. Uh, for example, last year the elders encouraged the congregation to pray for the process of finding the next senior pastor. And because of the gravity of that decision, they encouraged us to fast and pray. So whenever we fast, We should do it with purpose and with pure motives. Now, when it comes to giving to the poor, there's a couple of extremes we want to avoid. When we look at the history of the church, not this church, but the church church, especially in the United States, have you ever heard of what is called the social gospel? Not social justice, though that is related, but the social gospel. I learned this from Pastor Tommy Nelson, and generally speaking, that term was used by churches that were liberal in their theology. It's where they say the message of the gospel is not about man and sin and what God did to satisfy his justice through Christ, the divine Savior on the cross. For the liberal, man is basically good, and the gospel is just simply helping people, hence the term social gospel. That's essentially what it is. In the early days of the American church, whenever there was great revival where the gospel was spreading, it was impossible to separate the church from acts of righteousness, especially the giving and helping of the poor. Hospitals, by and large, were started by Christians. Uh, You could find orphanages started by solid believers. But in the late 1800s, there was a shift. Liberal theology and higher criticism came over from German seminaries, and it was a train wreck. They said the Bible was not God's inerrant word, that Christ was not God. He was just a good man that was all about helping people. And this liberal theology started to get a hold of the denominations in America. Rather than sharing what the true gospel was from the pages of God's inerrant word, in addition to helping the poor, the liberal gospel was just about doing good things. And that's actually where the social gospel fails. It does nothing about sin in the heart. So when this liberal theology came over, a lot of the mainline denominations started to split because the good guys said, hey, this isn't orthodox, and they were right. But the problem was the good guys, in trying to preserve orthodoxy, tossed out the giving and the helping of the poor, helping with their physical needs. Their thought was, Why should we look like the liberal churches? That was tied too closely to what the liberals were doing. So those are a couple of the extremes we want to avoid when living righteously and giving. This cannot be the social gospel. We must hold true to what God's word says when it comes to sin, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to Christ. But we can't take that to the other side and just toss and forget about giving to those who are in need, because that's not what Jesus wants us to do. And thankfully, we've gotten better at this over the years since that era. There are some excellent organizations that exist not just to help with people's physical needs, but to share the hope of the gospel. Just a few months ago, we had in our lobby a huge stack of green shoeboxes. It was Operation Christmas Child by Samaritan's Purse. And that's an example of what we, as Christians, should be doing according to Christ. Not to get applauded by men or to get a tax write-off or anything else. It's because God has saved us to worship and serve him. And he has given us a very tangible way of doing that, to express our love for him when we give to those who are in need. Giving to the needy reflects generosity. It reflects compassion. And it really reflects a dependence on God. Jesus' brother James would put it like this. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. And one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and be filled. And yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body. What use is that? Faith, if it has no works, is a dead faith. When it comes to real religion... Jesus gives us the solution. The motive of the heart is Jesus' solution to hypocrisy. If we are going to practice acts of righteousness, we we must be doing them with true motives. And when we follow Jesus' words and take the road of secrecy, that reflects where our hearts are at. Because we're not concerned about who's watching. We live for the smile of God who sees in secret. As we look to apply God's word in our lives, uh, I don't know about you, but when it comes to giving and to a degree fasting, we're a far cry from how it was uh, done in Jesus' day. And when the men come forward here in a little bit, uh, there will be no trumpets. You will hear no trumpets playing. And even when we give to others in causes, uh, usually we don't advertise you know, how much we give. But this teaching from our Lord applies to to more than just fasting and giving. Those were very clear actions in Christ's day of what righteousness looked like. But if we were to ask ourselves, what are the acts of righteousness in 2022, what would we say? Going to church, reading Christian books, reading our Bibles, prayer, evangelism, talking about the gospel, mission trips being on worship team, leading or teaching a Bible study, memorizing Scripture. And those are good things that we should be practicing and growing in. An inactive Christian should be an endangered species. But what I need to do, and my encouragement to to all of you, is that we could take Jesus' warning here and be careful. All of those things that I mentioned unfortunately, can be ways that people flex their spiritual muscles. And Satan is a pro at taking anything we do well as believers and turning it into a point of pride and turning us into hypocrites. And if we're doing these things with wrong motives, we might as well not do them at all because it doesn't please God when our hearts and motives are fake. A major theme of Christ's teaching in the Sermon on the Mount is the importance of a changed heart. So here's what we can do in applying this part of God's Word. Whenever we're practicing an act of righteousness, maybe it's during worship or it's when we're giving or when we're fasting, whatever we're doing that is is good, here's a way that we can check our hearts. Think in your mind, if suddenly everyone else vanished. And it was just you and God. No one else is around. No one else is looking. Only God. Would God in that moment know that we are really worshiping and serving him? We should ask that to ourselves. Or, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, would we just say, or would we say, it's just a performance? Would we think, no one's watching? What a missed opportunity. This week or next Sunday, or, or whenever we have the opportunity to do acts of righteousness, let's check our hearts by thinking, if it was only God who saw me right now, would he be pleased with my heart? Our mindset when living righteously is if it was just you and God. That's why Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. He was using hyperbole, to emphasize that we do our acts of righteousness only before God and not for others. And uh, when it's done in secret, that's all the better, because it shows that we are living for God. We don't want to look to try and look righteous when we're not. God is not pleased with hypocrites. It's deceitful, and it ruins our witness to a world that is filled with hypocrites. But when we apply Christ's instruction we can now take the road away from hypocrisy. And when God is at work in our hearts, that's where true acts of righteousness come from. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, there's not a single one of us in this room that can say that we are exempt from what your son so clearly stated. God, help us to examine ourselves for any trace of hypocrisy, not only when we are actively doing what is good in obedience to you, but, Father, when we are fighting against sin, that we wouldn't hide it away and uh, look good on the outside. And Lord, we'll never be sinless, so we thank you for Christ, who is our righteousness. And as we prepare our hearts for communion, Lord, we ask that you would give us the strength, whether it be today or tomorrow or on Tuesday or anytime this week, to live righteously, and that our acts of righteousness would be done for your smile. And we'll ask it in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.